Previously on The Tony Kornheiser Show. The other day on PTI, this is my sneaker part. Do you remember the sneakers that I want? Oh, yes. Okay. We're going we're gonna to move past big news, and you're just going to go to asking for free sneakers. Now, isn't that the name of the show? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <that's laughs> isn't today's show named Asking for Ten Free and Sneakers? Half medium. <laughs> isn't that the name of the show? The Tony Kornheiser Show is on now. Indeed, I have talked personally to Kirk Taylor. <laughs> and where yeah. are these shoes being sent? Uh, to you. Yeah, shoes for you Sent to my to you. house. Yeah. <laughs> so that you can have envy. Yes, well, I've already, so I went online and I started, like, did the shoe fit analyzer to see if I normally wear this in one shoe, what would I wear in another? No, I've never got that phone call. Thanks, mm, Dad. No, <laughs> see if that package gets lost in the mail. I'll send it to Chatter. Uh, from George Mallet, we had Brett Wiscons on our show on Lifestyle Live, February 28th, before he departed. With Mike Love and company on that. Uh, oh, that good cruise. vibrations cruise. Good yes, vibrations cruise. And George sent a picture of him and Brett here. George is dashing. It's very dashing. Yes, George is debonair. Dashing. From Colleen Moriarty, my cousin Pat Moriarty has caddied for you before, and I've heard you talk about him on the show. My family loves sports. We've always been involved in sports locally. My dad ran a college basketball magazine in the eighties. My grandfather worked at the City Open and was involved in the local tennis community. My cousin's been all over the local golf scene. As a caddy and a player, we have sports in our genes. Now that I have kids, I wanted to share the actual sports of our ancestors with them. So I'm now on the board of D.C. Gales, G-A-E-L-S, Youth League. We're an amateur sports club that promotes Irish sports in the Washington, D.C. metropolitan area. In the fall of 2021, we started the very first youth program, teaching Gaelic games to the youth in the area. The program was a resounding success. It's returning in 2023 with spring and fall seasons. You don't need Irish ancestry to play. Well, that's good. You don't have to take 23 and me to see if you can get in. It's fun for everyone. Registration is now open for the spring and fall. We're promoting the program as much as we can to spread the news. So it's going to be at Avenel Local Park in Montgomery County. Sundays at 11. starts March 19th. So that's in a couple of weeks. Um, happy to promote it. I don't know what Irish uh, sports are. I have no idea. I'm not overly sure. Michael, you know, hmm, got any no. idea on Irish sports? No. You know, I could try and be funny and say baseball with a potato, but you know, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I assume they play soccer and maybe there's other regional sports, but we should, you know, Colleen Moriarty, let us know, let us know what the specifics are on this and we'll help you promote it. Sherlock lives, you know, from uh, Jason Smarl, who is the general manager of the Syracuse um, Mets. So the cat is out of the bag and the littles are all over our announcement of La Cheeserie Night Part Deux. With the Syracuse Mets. Just like last year, we made a small mention of the night as part of our season preview. Unlike last year when the announcement of the night did not raise an eyebrow or get any attention at all. This year when I made mention of part deux, an excited woo-woo came out of the crowd. And then that same little asked the date of the night during the Q&A. Knowing that my partner in this ridiculous promotion, Jake Hafner, would not send the email in time, I'm taking it upon myself to write you with the update. Le Cheeserie Night Part Deux will take place Tuesday, September 5th against, you guessed it, the dreaded Rochester Red Wings, the Nats AAA club. It's a living, breathing promotion with no specific details that we will fill in as we approach the game. That's what I like. They have no idea what it is, and they'll let us know when they come up with it. Exactly. The one detail we know is that this year we will set up a promo code for Littles to buy tickets, and $4 from each ticket will go to support our local first tee of Syracuse. Isn't oh, that that's nice? great to hear. That's nice to know. I'm sure that in the next five months we'll find a good balance of old show fodder plus current mailbag games and themes to make it a great night. On the day of the announcement, I was in touch with Claire Natola, who was helping spread the word, as well as Chuck and Roxy. I have the distinct pleasure of being on podcast number 168 with Jake Hafner, <laughs> number 170, La Cheeserie Night, and number 197, Solo with Chuck and Roxy. Uh, what, I mean, Jason, what are you doing? I look forward to building this night and see what fun comes from our littles. Oh, and it's on a Bark in the Park night, so if you feel like joining, bring Chessie. You can walk her on the field as part of the Mets uh, pre-minster pregame pet parade. I tell fans if they win the Mets Minster dog show, they get an automatic qualification to Westminster. They usually believe me. I'm slightly disappointed. <laughs> bark in the park. We could have shirts are getting true. ready for the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would go and I'd wear my uh, Binghamton Mets shirt sign. Maybe mom shirt. can drive you up to New York. Yeah, well, because I can't drive anymore. I'm too old to drive. By the way, congratulations um, to your Bearcats. We beat UMBC. When yes. do we get Vermont? And when do we get our 
Fanny's handed to us. <laughs> tomorrow, I believe, yeah, Tuesday. Yeah, tomorrow night, okay. six, seven, something like that. Whatever. Yeah. At Vermont, I assume. Yes, that's We, we can't beat them anywhere, but we certainly can't <laughs> beat them. You missed the biggest anymore. game of the weekend. What was that? Penn's collapse to the dreaded Princeton Unbelievable Tigers. collapse by Penn. Oh, no. Well, Unbelievable. Like how, many, how many points were they? Oh, they, they were lost up at 1.15, 16, and they couldn't make a shot. lead. Oh. Yeah, they couldn't make a shot in the last eight minutes of the game. They went over. They stunk. Double digits, I think, to the last five minutes. Yeah. Uh, of course, I have a three-and-a-half-year-old who's obsessed with big cats. He goes, I'm rooting for the Tigers. <laughs> not in this house, kid. Yeah. <laughs> now, are they still in the Ivy League championship? They are. So they are playing Princeton again this upcoming Saturday at They were Princeton. up by 20. That's coaching. That's tough. Hmm? I mean, you just, they clearly They have had, a good coach. They have a great coach, but I don't know why. Steve they didn't Donahue. have anyone who wanted the ball or go to the basket. Nobody went to the basket. But they have Nobody- a, my new favorite player, Dingle. Yeah? Give the ball Dingle. to Dingle. Yeah. They were terrible. And they have a guy yeah. with the face mask who looks like Shredder. Yeah. And Princeton, by the way, wasn't great. <laughs> Princeton missed from the outside all the time. So this game was there for Penn. Yeah, Penn picked up a lot of fouls in the middle of the uh, the second half, and Princeton uh, took unadvised threes that then went in. They had a freshman who was making some uh, big but they, shots. But they did not, for most of the game, they shot very poorly, Princeton. By the way, I have a, a list of Gaelic sports. What are they? Gaelic football, hurling, Gaelic handball. Hurling, is that and, vomiting and or is that something else? <laughs> Apparently it's very similar to Gaelic football, which appears very like similar rugby. to rugby. Sure, yes, of course. Um, and rounders, I believe, is the original form of baseball, is it not? Okay, cricket, is, something I don't like know. that. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, they played cricket before they played baseball. Yes. So they don't play cricket; they play rounders. Uh, maybe it's some. Don't they have that thing where they roll down the hill in search of cheese, or is that in England? <laughs> I think that that's, might be in England. That's in England. I think right? that's my team. You yes. roll down the hill in search yes, of cheese. Yes, big wheels of cheddar. Yes. Yeah, it's fantastic. It's fun. Did you take the boys to see the moon? A beautiful moon. The last, last night. two nights, rising in the eastern sky, was a beautiful, clear. Nearly full moon. I think the full moon may be tonight. Okay. We'll but it was that. beautiful. Oh, I did see that on Saturday night. It was gorgeous. It was gorgeous. just yes. beautiful. Yeah, very clear night. Do the boys yeah. like the moon? They love the moon. That's, do they bay at the moon like dogs no, like I did as no, a they child? No, they did not bay. <laughs> okay, that's more to unpack about your childhood. Were you yeah. wearing the dunce hat? Not at that point. Not at that point. My Aunt Bernice hadn't seen me bay at the moon like a dog. <laughs> Thanks, Aunt Bernice. I think Purim starts today also. And so are we home for Purim? <laughs> I hope we're home for Purim. That is, what movie was that? For Your Consideration? Yeah, For Your Consideration. Home for Purim. <laughs> fantastic. Just brilliant. Uh, yes. Just fantastic. You know what I ended up doing? I ended up watching the Women's Big Ten Basketball Championship because I became, first of all, on Saturday, the game with Maryland was a really good game. Iowa won the game. Oh, right, yes. And then Iowa got to the finals, and instead of playing Indiana, which was the one seed in the tournament, Ohio State had beaten Indiana. So Iowa played Ohio State. They were up by 30 in the second quarter. Escrow Caitlin Clark's really good. She's a really good passer. I assume she's going to be a really good pro. I don't know. She, like, to me, she's a Sue Bird-type player. Mm -hmm. And Sue Bird only played 20 years in the league. So, I'll, but we'll, I'll ask, I'm going to ask Pat Forty about her. I don't know if Pat knows anything about women's basketball, but maybe he does. So, I played golf yesterday. I went out and I played, Steve Rose and I played with Gail and uh, Devin Delaney. And I went 18, I went in a cart, and my legs are bad, and I, it's hard to walk, and I'm a terrible player, but I was just thrilled to be out there. And what I worried about, of course, was how it last night be. And it wasn't any different... You know, the things that hurt, hurt, but new things didn't hurt. Well, that's... So I was happy about that. And I watched a bunch of the golf. Did you watch the golf? I, I did. So this is the Arnold Palmer. We had a, you know, you had a great leaderboard, but you didn't yes. know which direction it was going to go. You had Kurt Kitayama, who's looking for his first win, and then you had a couple of sleeping giants. And the big surprise was watching Spieth move up Couldn't the leaderboard put. until he quickly fell in the last, like, five holes. He couldn't... Uh, McElroy and Scheffler... And Spieth, who are huge names, were they could have grabbed it, and they didn't. And I'm not going to – Spieth's putting was bad. Scheffler and McElroy missed a couple of putts that you think they should have had. Certainly Paul Azinger said, uh, McElroy's going to make this putt. He's going to go to minus nine. He's going to win this tournament. And he missed the putt. Uh, 12 feet? Yeah, and that's the tough where you start to it's see hard. the numbers where you go like, hey, this is a 30% make from this distance yeah. for a player of this caliber, but it also doesn't go in every time. What? Because it's a 70% yeah. miss. Um, and Kurt Kitayama won. 
And I and then I watched him afterwards on Golf Central, and he was charming. The stories around him, and then earlier in the week, you hear Xander Shoffley, is one of his good friends, reveals the nickname. And so the, some of the best info you get it's is... It's a Godzilla nickname? Yeah, quads. Yeah. yeah. Uh, quads with a Z. When you start to hear the, the <laughs> what players say about their friends in the background is where you get some of those best nuggets. But if you... And again, I don't want everything to be live versus the PJ Tour, but this is a player that you could... The storylines are easy. They're fun to watch. It's not a player. You don't you don't see him ad nauseum every week. Uh, so, But you also look at the power of a 72-hole tournament and what it provides in terms of the different turns it can make. And in the last yes. hour, who's tied for the lead? Who can be there? Where are they on the course? course. Yes. Because you're looking, okay, what par 5 does Rory have left? Is 18, you know, the only player you really see at birdie is Tiger 20 years ago. And Kurt, uh, Kurt Kitayama, when he has to make par, misses it way left. And they share the dialogue he has with his caddy. Made a great second shot. It's 190 over the water. It's only 150 to the front edge. He's trying to chase anything on. And then he hits one of the the best lag putts of his life. To one inch. Literally to one inch from 35 feet. And then gives it the, I think it was 47 feet. To one inch. If it's it's Tiger's ball, it goes in. And it's on a similar line to the Tiger one that always just seemed to take that last turn at the end. Tiger turns one more time and drops. But he, he wins. What I was concerned with, um, the new format for golf, of course, is exclusionary. It's to not let everybody in. It's to have these huge purse tournaments of limited fields to between 70 and 80, closer to 70, I'm going to bet, and no cut. And so I asked Nigel last night, could you tell me where Kitayama is ranked? Because I thought he'd be the kind of guy, he'd be in 70s or 80s, and he would not make the yeah, he's field. He's higher than that. But he's 47. Yeah. So he would have been in the field. But those are those are edge players. And you look at what happened at the waste management and here, it's players that are a little bit off the board that are making these tournaments really exciting to watch. I think that's true. And you look at what's going to... What, it's the WGC effect where you basically got into tiers. And if you can make it into the WGC tier, the, yeah, then the it becomes... Team. It's like Monopoly money. It's easier to go around the board for another year. Was this a designated event, the Palmer? This, I believe, was a designated, but it's not. There's so many different rules as to what's. Do we have any be... sense of how much money, like first yeah, I can place? Look, I can look it up right now. That'll tell us uh, yeah. immediately where it was. Like well, Spieth finished tied for third, and he probably made five hundred thousand dollars if indeed it was a big event. All right, so Kitayama, he got three point six oh. million dollars. Oh. Nice afternoon. Uh, Jordan Spieth with those four bogeys in the last five holes. Uh, Spieth pulled Five? in eight hundred grand. Wow! So this was, so okay. So there's a le- there's only one lesson here, kids. Rory got one seven eight. Yeah, to finish second. Uh, tied second, yes. T- tied second with Scheffler. Uh, tied second with English? Harris English because uh, Scheffler missed that six hundred for par. And and Kitayama won it. He hit a birdie putt on a par three. That won it. That got him to nine with pace on seventeen. It. But Nobody- you ne- out of bounds. Both yes. days of the weekend. OB. He had a triple. Yes. Started Routine, with a triple. Three. Oof. You know. All right. So this is the only lesson in this. And I know we belabor this a lot. The only lesson is Phil Mickelson was right. Every single thing he said about money available to the PGA Tour was 100% correct. Now, he's out in the woods. Yeah. He's in Thailand half the time. And he's, not, he's got no career. He's got no post-golf career because of the things he said and the things that he did. Although I guess he could go with David Faraday in the booth on the Saudi tour if he wants to. But he was right. He's a prophet without honor, right? It's Cassandra. Yeah, everything is still in flux. Even look at the way they've done the player impact uh, sort of fund with all that money that was to go basically to the top internet searches. And they've tried to shrink that because they've heard the feedback saying, you know, it's it just of, goes to Tiger. It goes to Tiger, and what happens <laughs> when, the, when what happens when the player doesn't play in any regular events? They're other handing than Tiger twenties. So every step, they shifted, yes, twenty. There they shifted go. some of that money over to basically, you know, uh, someone who's rising through the ranks who's able to to earn that on merit, which is again the term they've always been using, meritocracy. But they're showing pictures on Golf Central of Kitayama as a point guard in high school in California. You know, he played he played other sports in golf. All right, we'll take a break. Michael Wilbon, when we return, I'm Tony Kornheiser. Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. 
Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. This is a band called Side Yard Sanctuary. We got a note from Chris Martin who said this is music from Fort Collins, Colorado. Made by my lifelong friend Jason Ekman and his band Side Yard Sanctuary. Jason and I share the exact same birthday, 2272. Um, Chris is from Columbia, Maryland. Fort Collins, Colorado, famous on our show for Tim Cree. Long-time listener. That's right, yes. Long-time listener. Boy, little. Uh, this is, again, Spacewalk, plays in Mike Wilbon. Let's start with this. What were your thoughts, because I know you watched some of it, what were your thoughts on the golf and Kitayama, uh, Kirk Kitayama winning for the first time on tour and winning? People didn't lose that. He went out and won it. He made a birdie. He won it and made great. His putt on 18 was tremendous to one inch. Obviously, we said this earlier in the show. If that's Tiger putting, it drops. But everybody else stays one inch out. And he beat an array of you know, major winners. Scheffler, Spieth, McElroy. What did you think of the tournament? Um, you know, I didn't realize that Bay Hill had that kind of field. I know it's one of the elevated events. And I didn't watch a ton, Tony. I watched I watched uh, yesterday. I watched that putt live. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I, I was glad that he won because he had some famous runner-up finishes, like three or four. Of them. Mm-hmm. And so, and and to and to the big to the big boys, he finished runner-up to the big boys several times. So that that was really it. That was really it. I, you know, um, I to me, Bay Hill. I know it's a huge event. It's Arnold Palmer's event. It means something to the players, to the tour. But, you know, it really starts next week for me. I mean, golf starts with the players. And I've okay. watched Pebble. You know, I've watched, uh, you know, I've watched a little bit. Of, obviously, I get into the Phoenix Open, Waste Management Open here in Scottsdale. Um, and I like those events. And that's an elevated event, or at least it was this year. But it starts with they, it starts with the players. Right? Okay. Well, yeah, they. Uh, I've been the players like the last three years. I'm not going to get there in Michigan next week. They set but it I'm up exactly so that, that the players is in March, the Masters is in April, the PGA is in May, the U.S. Open is in June, the British Open is in July. It is set up so that five months gives you four majors and the closest thing to it, and that's right. a deliberate thing by the PGA Tour, and it's it's compelling. We all watch it. We all do. We- yeah, I'm going to watch it when it's – I don't care about the schedule. I just don't. I want to watch the events. Yeah. I don't, I don't care about the rhyme or reason of it other than Augusta. And obviously U.S. Open is, you know, ends on Father's Day. That's Sunday. I, I, I like that element. I don't care when the tournaments are. When they did all the juggling and they do that stuff for ratings, I understand why they do it. Yeah. I don't care less. Okay. You tee it up, I'm watching. Yeah, me too. And so I go, I'm glad I got a chance to see a little bit of Bay Hill, but that, you know, that's sort of like Daytona to me. I mean, I understand it's a rite of spring. Now let's get to the big boy stuff. Um, let us talk about Northwestern. I was concerned. Northwestern, I think, had lost four in a row, even oh, yeah. though everybody we talked to, specifically Joe Lenardi and Jay Billis, who are actually paid to know these things, said, "Don't worry, Mike. Don't worry. You're going to be in the tournament." Yeah. You had what I thought at Rutgers. I thought that was an L. I did. What happened? Um, we came out and played as if the kids said we have kind of choked on a couple of games. We had an 18-point lead at Illinois having won five streets. Yeah. And so if you win that, you feel differently about yourself going to Maryland. Then you're really playing with house money. But we lost you know, that 18-point halftime lead at, at Champaign. And then we lose to Maryland. And then you're sort of feeling it. And you come home and you drop a game that you should win, your senior night game against Penn State. Should win that. Yeah. Even, even in. And we lost that. We lost we, and we lost it just the way we lost it. Lost composure down the stretch. Didn't did not play the way we had all season. So you know, Tony, I told you I, I can look at the text messages. I told you when we beat Indiana, I was afraid of just that scenario mm-hmm. where in a conference is very even. It's like the Western Conference in the NBA. You got, look, we wind up now, we go to Rutgers and we play the way 
I'd like to have seen us play the second half against Illinois or the, the second half against Penn State. And we, we finished second. Northwestern's the two seed in the Big Ten tournament. Wow. Despite having lost three straight, not four straight, three straight. So we win the Rutgers game. And, and by the way, if we lose that game, yes, last night, with a nine seed. Oh, my. It's that yeah. tight? Yeah. Oh, boy. So with a two seed, we've got a double bye in the Big Ten tournament. So it's, it's only Purdue, which is ahead of us, which won, the, which won the league and had to have its own dramatic um, finale to, to, to emerge. So we, 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 we're a two seed. Yes, we're in the tournament now. We're comfortably in. Um, I know last night, Lenardi said had us projected as a seven, um, even if we lost. So I don't know if that means we're a five or a six. I don't, I don't much care about that. I really don't. Um, you were in the tournament. It's our second time ever in the tournament. Second time in a hundred years. And so I, I'd like to go to the Big Ten tournament. I don't think I'm going to be cleared to fly and do all that. Where is the Big yet. Ten tournament? Is that in Chicago? Yes, it is. It's okay. the United Center. Okay. Yeah. So that's that's. Well, you'd uh, have a place to stay, right? Uh, You'd be yeah, fine. I would. Yeah. I would, um, but I'm not going to. I can't. I'm not ready for that yet. So I'm just hoping to be ready in a little more than a week's time to get to uh, an NCAA tournament game. Do you know what? Do you know what I ended up watching? I, I said this in the open of the show, and I ended up watching it for two nights. Well, one was a day, I guess, and then Saturday during the day. And, and Sunday at night, I watch the Big Ten women because yeah, yeah, I have yeah. now, and you preceded me to this. I have fallen in love with Caitlin Clark Caitlin as a Clark. player. Of course, she's. Of course, how good she's is she? Great. She's. She's one of the. She's. She's one of the best college players ever. And the question is going to be, you know, is what she usually. I mean, what great players do in women's college basketball does translate to the WNBA um, and overseas. And, and the great players play both. Now I'm not sure what is going on now, particularly in Eastern Europe, given what has happened internationally. Um, I don't know what is that. Because only there are very few jobs in the WNBA. They're not enough. And so they're really good women. And you'll say, wait a minute. I remember her playing at Maryland. I remember her playing at Rutgers at Northwestern at, at Tennessee. Where is she now? Well, maybe not in the WNBA. Maybe he had to go to Russia to play. And so people wound up during the Brittany Griner saga who don't who aren't familiar, saying, "Wait a minute, why are these women, United States women, American citizens, playing there? Because they have to." Yeah, well, expand the league. If you if if you can sell tickets and get a television contract, expand the league. But I don't know if you can. They got a television contract, (laughs) but but I mean a bigger. Yeah, yeah. I don't know that that's I don't know that that's viable. Well, that Um, the Maryland Iowa game was really good. Yes, it it was. was. And Caitlin Clark didn't she have a triple double? Yeah, she's had two in a row. She's great. She and the game before that, she hit the. Throw the ball inbounds to her. Step back, boom. Yeah, she's great. Every night she's great. And by the way, you know what they do at Iowa. They sell twenty thousand. They do to see her. They do. They do. They yeah. really love it. All right, let me move on. Let me get to something that I know you guys got to the other night. John Morant. For people yeah. that don't know this, there was a big story in the Washington Post last week, Thursday or Friday. Uh, a big story, an investigative story talking about two or three incidents in John Morant's life, one of which he allegedly brandished a gun around, and one of which he uh, beat up a kid who was playing basketball at his house, and another which has been documented before. He was in a car where there was that red laser aimed at the bus of the team that they played before, and that is a threatening situation, and he was in the car. His agent couldn't deny everything fast enough or spin it fast enough, and then his agent is not available yesterday um, or two days ago when John Morant once again shown on video with a gun. You guys talked about this a lot. What are your thoughts yeah. about a guy who is a spectacular star in the NBA? Tony, it's a, it's, it's, it's a very personal thing for a lot of us. Um, I mean, it, the headline is something that 
people look at from afar and it happens in the league, it happens in a city they may not know. And they go, oh, oh, you know, another case of, you know, some rich guy, some rich kid losing his mind. It's much more personal for that, for for me, for a lot of reasons. I mean, I I thought, and by the way, the agent you refer to, I think is Jim Tanner. Yeah. I think Washingtonian. Yep. uh, Who I know. And I I, I really, I want to, at some point, I want to talk to Jim about about all these things. Um. But, Tony, I thought that we were past the point of this phony embrace of thug life. Now, there's some kids who don't have to embrace it because they grew up in it. They lived in it. It's their circumstance. Jalen Rose talked about that, talked about the frightening nature to him of someone trying to act this out when Jalen grew up with these elements as a, as a kid and a teenager. And Jalen Rose, who, by the way, I thought of early on because he dedicates his personal life and his resources to secondary education, formal secondary education, to eradicating these kinds of things. And then you have to watch this play out. And Jalen was almost in tears talking about this Saturday night. And I, Stephen A. was a perfect person to talk about it because he covered Allen Iverson. And Allen Iverson's wasn't an act, largely. It was stuff that he had to escape. But John Morant, if you, you look, people don't know John Morant. They don't. Because John Morant doesn't play in L.A. or New York or Washington or Golden State. So they don't know him. I, I know John Morant a little. And I've told you recently, listen to this kid. There's real intellect there. He's paying attention. John Morant, when, when, when he's being interviewed, he's not looking at his cell phone. John Morant is engaged and engaging and has stuff to say, original, thoughtful stuff. So when you wake up and you read first the Washington Post and then the next day that at 5.30 in the morning after a game, he is brandishing a gun in a, in a live social media post, Instagram Live, Tony, Instagram Live isn't somebody caught you. You put yourself on. So it's just it was so disappointing on every level that these this 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 whole I want to be a gangster theme, which I thought we were beyond, that plagues our neighborhoods. And I say our, I'm talking about African American neighborhoods, disproportionately where people have spent their lives now, the last 20, 30 years, being dedicated to saying, listen, son, you're not a gangster. And even if you are, you want not to be one because this can get you killed. Get out of this. Don't do this. Here's, here's a player who's going to make $50 million a year in a week if he doesn't make it already. Cozying up to this, putting himself on camera with a gun, are you, are you kidding me? And so you got other the elders in the league who don't want to question John Morant publicly necessarily, but league elders and coaches and scouts and people in the industry were calling each other all day Saturday saying, and people like me saying, what is he thinking? What is he doing? What strategy is this? You're not going to win anything like this. You're not going to impress sponsors who may pay you hundreds of Tony, there are hundreds of millions of dollars at stake, and if you don't think so, all you've got to do is try to go a half an hour without seeing Shaquille O'Neal or Charles Barkley or Steph Curry or LeBron James on your television any day of the week, any channel. So if being the face of something like the NBA carries rewards that are unprecedented, and especially for people who look like John Morant, and yet He'd rather do this other thing, which goes anywhere between getting you killed or disqualifying you from this exalted place in the culture. So all those are my thoughts, all mm. of them. Good. And, and Thank you and for those. I tried to express as many of them as I could in our segment on Countdown, and we all did. I mean, Stephen A. talked about covering Allen Iverson and talked about John Moran's father. John Moran. So many of these cases, you can't see LeBron James' dad because he wasn't there. All right? You couldn't see Allen Iverson's father because he wasn't there. 
John Moran's dad is there. You see him all the time. He's with his son. And you see John Morant. And I come away thinking, I, I was in Memphis last year for an all-access day. You know, one of these days that, you know, it's marketing, you know, junk, as far as I'm concerned. Of course, the network wants this because it's how you familiarize yourself with young players who come in the league that you may not know. And I was around John Morant and Desmond Bain and uh, Brooks. And, and I know Jaron Jackson Jr. because Jaron Jackson, hello, senior, is someone I covered. Yeah. And, and, and took a phone call from when Jaron Jackson Sr. was saying, hey, listen, I, I think my kid wants to visit Northwestern. Can I talk to you? Jaron Jackson Sr. is a I'm, – I'm using this now in as complimentary way as I can. He's a nerd. He's a bookish, learned, well-traveled kid who young man now, who you want to represent your team and your company and your business. These are not thugs, Tony. And yet – Somehow that team has gotten involved with it. Again, I'm not talking about personally with, with Jaron Jackson Jr. because I don't know whether he is personally involved in all this thing that the team seems to invite or not. This is not the bad boy Pistons. The bad boy Pistons did some stuff on the court. On the court. This is not that. This is not both teams play hard later with Rasheed. This is other people in the league saying, what? What are you people doing in Memphis? And so the league has an issue with this, whether this is being courted, just accepted, pushed off on other members of the team. Again, I don't know. But the league has a serious issue, and no amount of player-friendly pat-on-the-back stuff from Adam Silver is going to fix what they got to deal with and address in Memphis. That's very good. Thank you very, very much. I'll talk to you later. Thank you, All right, Tom. Michael Wilbon, boys and girls. That was really good. We'll take a break. Pat Forty, when we return, I'm Tony Kornheiser. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. Once again, this is Side Yard Sanctuary out of Fort Collins, Colorado. It's the band of Jason Ekman. This is called My Barbarella. Barbarella was, Jane Fonda was in Barbarella 50 years ago. That's right. Can't be the same thing. Oh, it absolutely is. Really? Yes. Barbarella. (laughs) Fantastic. What's old again is new again. Michael, if bands like Side Yard Sanctuary want to send their original music, how do they do it? Send us your music by emailing it to jingles at tonycornizershow.com. I should point out there's an audio portion like that, like spoken like, at the beginning. Is it that, Jane Fonda? It's not Jane. It might be Jane Fonda. I'm not sure, but it's clearly a Barbarella reference. Oh, okay. So, yes. Right. You can hear that in its entirety. Are yeah. we selling anything? Uh, we're looking for a new code with Johnny O, but they, uh, they have been busy. So please yeah. check out shop.tonycornizershow.com and say hi to Rob for us. Okay. Pat Forty joins us now, and I'm going to get to men's basketball in a second, but I've been fixated on this all day long, and I talked about it in the open, and I talked about it with Will Bunn. I don't know how much women's college basketball you watch, but I watched Maryland, Iowa, and then I watched Ohio State, Iowa, and I just thought Caitlin Clark was a terrific basketball player, and the first game, the Maryland-Iowa game, was really good. Do you watch women's college basketball at all? I watch some, yeah. And uh, Caitlin Clark is phenomenal. Yeah, she is really fun. And I just think the the women's game has gotten so much more entertaining, Tony. I, you know, they they uh, play with with more flair. They're wonderfully, uh, you know, fundamental players for the most part. They pass, dribble, shoot really well. They play hard. It's uh, it's a good watch. I really I really think so. I'm watching her. She's bringing the ball up the court. First of all, she is a very um, chippy sort of player. I mean, if she does something, she looks at the crowd, puts her hands out, and says, you know, cheer me, here I am. She comes up the court dribbling the ball between her legs. She's a great passer. She found the big girl eight, nine times in 15 minutes for layups. I mean, she's a great passer of passes that are dangerous. Or am I crazy? No, yeah, absolutely, and that's uh, you know I'm seeing some quotes from the game last night where they're saying like, the, her her growth and ability to read the floor is incredible. Where she's she's kind of reached that bird magic level. I mean, I'm not saying she's going to be that good a player, but but in terms of thinking 
like two steps ahead of the defense. Like if I if I go here and we set this screen and they cover from this angle, yes. I'm going to beat you with the third pass here. You know, uh, so she's got a great mentality for the game, and she does play with a little bit of. Uh, of attitude, I guess. She does. Fine. I mean, it makes her much more interesting to watch. She does, and and one of the Ohio State girls knocked her down near the end of the game. Because, <laughs> you know, enough of this. And and by the way, I don't know why the Iowa starters were in there till four minutes were left. When they were up by 30. Yeah. Well, maybe uh, those are the kind of things that, you know, who knows what's going on during the season between That's right. those two teams. You right. know, they might be uh, one to give a lesson there or send a message. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, there's some people I, I've been told that she rubs the wrong way in the sport. But you know what? That's the kind of thing that helps uh, create interest in, in women's basketball is a little bit of, of rivalry and, and that sort of thing. It got me thinking that South Carolina must be really good, like really good, because they're undefeated. Yeah, they're, they're extremely good. And the SEC is a good league. And, uh, yeah, I mean, they've got Aaliyah Boss in the big uh, uh, center, and she's just a towering force, but they're good all over the court. And Dawn Staley, you want to talk about an attitude? Holy moly. Yes. You know, she's Philly tough, and she brings it. And, I, you know, for, for obvious reasons, when my daughter was at Stanford, I watched a lot of Stanford and big fan of Tara Vanderveer and, and them. And, you know, they had uh, some some battles with South Carolina. They, they approach things very differently, but – um, you know, again, it's 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 a it's a really it's a good sport. It's a growing, like growing uh, fan base, and and I think it's a lot of fun to watch. And yes, South Carolina does seem to be head and shoulders above everyone. The one thing I'll say, and I'm I'm, I'm sure to anyone who's a fan of women's basketball, I'm sounding like an imbecile here, but they catch and shoot so quickly. They are ready to shoot threes. You get them the ball, it's up, right? It's up. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's true. I mean, they they again, good shooting fundamentals. Catch, you're prepared, you get it in the old shooting pocket and and you shoot it. And Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, you know, they offensively they they do a lot of things really well that sometimes the men players don't do well. Yeah, I mean, they can't dunk. I mean, we understand that. It's a different game. It's a different game, but it's you know, at least for me for a couple of days I was watching and liking it a lot. What is the deal with Texas Tech and this guy Mark Adams? What is going on there? Uh, you know, I, this is, I think, some of the old school coaching mentality, and kind of, you know, if you look at the coaching tree there from Bob Knight and eventually Chris Beard to uh, to Mark Adams, and all of them having worked for one another in various capacities, and and uh, you know, they, they 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 could use some modern modernization of their techniques, I think. And uh, you know, Mark Adams has been under fire because they've been, you know, at the bottom of a really tough conference this year yes. after he took over a program that nearly won the national championship. Uh, and you know, this could provide the impetus to uh, to have a coaching change in Lubbock. Do you think? Do you think they would bring back Chris Beard? Because I don't think anybody else is going to hire him. Well, it's interesting. His name has gotten some some traction, some buzz at uh, Mississippi, right? Uh, which has an opening. Texas Tech. I am sure there would be some people who would push for him there. Yeah, you know, he's he's got the most important thing from a from a fan standpoint on his resume wins. And you know, you're in Lubbock. You, you already hired Bob Knight. You know, so what, when he was on the comeback from from his situation in Indiana. Uh, it wouldn't shock me if uh, Beard rebooted at Texas Tech, although his leaving was rather acrimonious. They were really mad at him when he left for Texas. Um, I will say this. There are guys getting fired this year for stuff that they never thought they'd get fired for, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's, uh, yeah. it's been quite a season uh, off the court. The New Mexico State basketball. guy, they just said, get out. Get out. <laughs> you know, and... He probably had no idea that was going to happen. Probably not. Uh, it's interesting. I mean, that program had gone off the rails. Uh, somebody needed to be accountable for it. Probably a lot of people did. But uh, in his coaching tree, let's see, he had worked for Will Wade at LSU. Who got fired. You know, when, yeah, he had worked for Greg Marshall at Wichita State. Who's nuts. Who got fired. Yeah. yeah. Great uh, coach, for, nuts. Yeah. Yeah, right. And I'm trying to think of the third one. He had worked for, a, oh, Larry Eustachie. 
who okay. got fired from two or forced forced to resign from two different jobs for no, things not related to coaching basketball. So yeah, it's interesting mm-hmm. uh, that those days of coaches owning a program that those are mostly gone. I mean, everybody is accountable for what happens. I, I I got in a conversation the other day. It's a strange place, steam room conversation with a guy who had gone to Colgate. Uh, and he was, we were talking about Colgate being in the Patriot League, a one-bid league. Colgate had been 17-1 and one in the Patriot League. And in a one-bid league, if you lose the conference championship, you, you are out. They allow all of these rum-dum teams from all of these major conferences with nine and ten losses. Is there, you know, what do you do with a Colgate when they're 17-1 and one in a league and they and they should they should they be allowed to get in you know when you know this as well as i at some point um the, the in order to justify 12 teams in the football they're going to talk about conference champions getting automatic bids how how does that work in basketball uh yeah no look uh, this is a a subject i feel pretty strongly about that that i would love to see much more respect and consideration for the really high-achieving mid-major and low-major teams that dominate their leagues and have great seasons, and you go into a pressure-packed one-and-done tournament and you have a bad game or the other team gets crazy hot or you miss a shot late and you're out. And meanwhile, you can be Michigan in the Big Ten and have lost 14 games and still think you got a chance to get in. You know? I mean, it's it's ridiculous because here's the other part of it, Tony. And that was like if Drake had not won the Missouri Valley, they probably would not have gotten an at-large bid. Fortunately, they did, but they probably wouldn't have. Nobody will play them. They can't even schedule high major teams to show how good they are. They played one high major team, Mississippi State, neutral floor in Omaha, and they beat them. And Mississippi State's on the bubble. And, you know, you give these teams a chance. Nobody would play Oral Roberts. Nobody will play North Texas. Give them a chance on a neutral floor or even in your home gym, God forbid you go to them and see what happens. They're not bad teams, and they deserve more respect. Yeah, I just, I mean, my school is in a one-bid league, but deserving of a one-bid league. But if a team like Vermont, that's been a good basketball team for 20 years, if they go 15-1 and or something like that and then get beat because they get a bad second half somewhere, to me, Pat, those teams should get in. Vermont's won an NCAA game in its life. Oh, sure. I mean, it's a great program. Unbelievable consistency. And, you know, fortunate for them, they've kept John Becker there as their coach for this long. But, you know, they're, they're great. And yet they will go into this tournament now in America East with, with all the pressure on them of, you know, we, we've got to back up this great season. Yeah. Uh, and win it all. It, again, it, it, we, it's we play them me. tomorrow night. Yes. We're going to lose by 35. Well, the spread's only 14. <laughs> yeah, we're going to lose by 35. They're good. Now, let me get to another thing, because these guys were on television earlier in the weekend. Hubert Davis and John Shire coaching at the places where they went to school and apparently doing a pretty good job, you know? But where you live, the Louisville coach, and where I live, the Georgetown coach, Played for their schools, had great success, doing a terrible job. What happens? Well, the, the Ewing thing, you know, I don't think he was ever w- well bought in enough on the college end of things as far as recruiting, you know, getting players, retaining players. Uh, you know, I just don't think that he ever fully bought in there. I don't think that he doesn't know basketball or how to coach basketball after all of his years in the NBA, but. He hadn't gotten it done. Kenny Payne's in just way over his head at Louisville. I mean, it's a disaster. Yeah. Absolute disaster. Four and 26, I believe. Last place in the ACC. Uh, a great fan base has given up. Um, and, you know, it's it's sad to see. And they're going to give Kenny Payne in the second season. I'm not sure I would. I would be that draconian about it because I think I'm so convinced that he can't do it. Uh, I mean, if they have – significant improvement next year okay what you're 12 and 19 is that supposed to be good that's not Louisville good so I think both plays you know Georgetown obviously has been you know better than I do but so reluctant to to sever any ties they don't want to but they don't they don't Pat they don't get 3,000 people to games like nobody goes 
No, it's, I mean, look, they, they, they are so ancient history as a program. And I, I guess it's just up to them to decide what, how much it matters. You know, they may say we're a great institution. Right. Who cares? We just want to be a good academic place. But they do have, <laughs> they would care if you put a good team on the floor. So, you know, Louisville, Louisville doesn't have, say, the pristine academic reputation right. to fall back on. They need to be good at basketball, and they're bad. One last question. You know Rick Pitino a long time. Does he get a second act? I think fourth act, fifth act. Well, I'm you know what sure. I mean, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. uh, yeah I, think he, I think he does. I know this. I mean, he's trying. He wants it. Yeah. He's put his name out there and made it very clear that he wants one more shot. Uh, you know, and that's, look, there was a talk about Georgetown, but that's yep. a place like, look, they, they, Georgetown doesn't have to stick its neck out for a coach like him, you know, great coach, but so much baggage. I think it's going to be somewhere else. There's been talk about St. John's, mm-hmm. um, you know, there are other possibilities, you know, you, I would think you hire him, your program gets immediately better. You get a, maybe a good four year run. Uh, you're going to an NCAA tournament. Who knows what you can do there? It's just beyond that. You may be done and hopefully nothing None of the off-court stuff happens that has happened in Rick's uh, previous tenure. Not a lot of people have won NCAA tournaments at different schools. Not a lot. No, he's the only one. He's it. That's the <laughs> yep. list. That's the Rick list. Rick Pitino. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Plug your podcast for us if it's still going yeah. on. Go ahead. Oh, yeah, College Football Inquirer. We're getting ready to tape after this. Um, platform yahoo sports we can get it on spotify apple all that stuff and uh, we will have one up later today and then another one later this week no oh, good and sometime in the summer i have to get your daughter to teach me how to swim i'm <laughs> i need to know how I, i'm not a stander i just stand i don't know how to swim she's available you might have to go to peru <laughs> she's down there for the peace corps but yeah. it's a short commute you yeah can do it. thanks pat all right bye-bye pat 40 boys and girls we'll come back with email and jingle i'm tony kornheiser this is the Tony Kornheiser Show. Oh, here comes Tony's mailbag, mailbag, mailbag. Oh, emails, faxes, and your notes, and your notes, and your notes. Oh, here comes Tony's mailbag, mailbag, mailbag. Go Tony, go Tony. Gonna read it for all of you folks. Chris Brinkley, fantastic. By the way, um, this morning when I walked Chessie, there was a siren. You could hear it. It Extended was an ambulance. sirens. It, it was an ambulance, but she didn't see it. So she doesn't so speak. So she does not react to it. She right. does not sing. She has to see it to believe it, or else why is she wasting <laughs> breath on this? Exactly. That jingle the, brought me back to the uh, the Le Boulet song. Go, Tony. Yeah. Go, Tony. <laughs> That's the reason I'm a Bullets fan. Yeah. Uh, Bethesda Bagelad. Yes, Bethesda Bagels, we love them, you will as well. Just go to BethesdaBagels.com for the location in the D.C. area nearest you, then pop on in, and you'll be thrilled. A couple of them were hot when you brought them over today, right Fresh out, out of, of the, the oven. oven. Yes, the planes. Pretty good. Yes. Pretty good. Get the car seat around. Uh, yeah, before we get to the mailbag, let me just say, great moments are born from great opportunity. And that's what you've earned here tonight, boys. That's what you've earned here tonight, one game. If we played them ten times, they might win nine, but not this game. Not tonight. That's Gene Hackman. I thought that was a... No, no, that's... No, that's Herb Brooks. That's Herb Brooks. All yes. right, from, later from the hockey. Kurt, yeah, later yeah, play uh, by Kurt, Kurt Russell. Russell. Yes. That's Kurt Russell playing him. And what I can only imagine will be the pregame speech tomorrow night before you take on UVM. <laughs> the pregame speech before you take on UVM is simply this. Let's not lose by 35. <laughs> uh, outstanding. Uh, Wilbon and 40. Yeah, outstanding. Great. You people who listen, you're getting great guests here. They're outstanding. Thanks as well to today's sponsors, Policy Genius, Etsy, Simply Safe. Remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Odyssey. Get the show through Apple Podcasts. Please leave us a review. From Tim Cree in Fort Collins, Colorado. Every time I get a new pair of shoes, it's New Balance 823s. If you're an old man for getting the same shoes every time, you can sit next to me on the same bench measuring your feet in that curvy thing they used when we were kids, because I'm with you. From Andrew Frank, I see the new game of useless information to send you has entered the shoe category. First things first, sock, sock, shoe, shoe. Then repeat that pattern with my almost 16-month-old son, who promptly removes both socks and shoes once we get in the car. I'm sure Michael can relate. He takes the socks off before I even get to shoes. (laughs) My New Balance arsenal includes strictly the 990 V5 and the 1080 running shoes. Do I run? Absolutely not. 
Just a lot of walking and chasing my aforementioned child around. The 1080 shoes are the most comfortable shoes I've ever worn. I'm a 12, uh, 2E, so that's, what does 2E mean? Double wide? Double wide, I guess, yeah. And my toes have never been happier. My wife prefers the Hoka shoes herself and stipulates on my shoe choices. None of those crazy colors, please. I heed those words gracefully because I love her and she pays the bills. From Sandy Shoe Stack, Loyal Little and Hewlett High alumnus, class of 1970, Hoka shoes have something called a rocker bottom sole that changes the dynamic of how one walks. It moves the fulcrum or area where one bends the ball of the foot from behind the toes back an inch or two. By doing that, the weight and propulsive forces are distributed in a different manner, thereby taking pressure away from the toes. These shoes do well for companies with toe joint issues, which is exactly what Greg Garcia talked about. New Balance is one of the few shoe companies where you can get an extra wide width off the shelf. Please feel free to reach out with any foot or shoe issues. The unofficial podiatrist of the Tony Kornheiser shells. Good to have one. Sandy Shoestack. I'm a New Balance guy. I'm going to try everything that comes my way, but I've, You're New Balance I've sworn guy. by New Balance for a long time. Matt yes. from Chicago. I sent an email a few weeks back. I own a running store in Evanston, Illinois. I can only imagine Nigel quickly hit the lead as I explained that shoes can make a huge difference for back issues. Hoka is a French band, brand, but it was purchased by Deckers, an American company, uh, nearly a decade ago. Deckers also owns Uggs and Teva, T-E-V-A. Yeah, the sandals. Hoka in the last five years has gone from being the number four and number five brand to number one in run shops. I'd be happy to send you a pair, 10 and a half D, as you and the team have provided me with a lot of joy and laughs over the years. My father passed away six years ago, and listening to the podcast around that time was truly a blessing, as you always reminded me and him. Raised in Brooklyn, not Long Island, but you both had a lot in common. Attached are links to Hoka's two most popular models. Let me know which model you want and a colorway you prefer. Even if I don't currently have it, I can ship it to you directly from Hoka. I'll send it to PTI. Please let me know the address. Tell Wilbon the next time he's in town for a game, he should stop in and get a pair. He can pay full price since he can afford four Canada goose coats. (laughs) These, this, we need. We'll get Michael a pair of these. From Will Green. Is the new game Who Wears Hoka One Ones? I bought a pair of the Clifton 8 running shoes in boring black and white a few years ago. At the time, I just hurt the bottom of my foot during a hike in northern Utah and needed something with more cushion. These shoes are the best running shoes I've ever had, and I couldn't recommend them more. I also have a friend in his fourth year of podiatry school who tells me all the other podiatrists wear Hoka's too. On an unrelated note, I just learned my boss drives a Subaru. I need a new job. Yes. P.S. I don't have a Chuck and Roxy number, so if this email never makes it to the show, I'll understand. No, I don't have one either. Uh, from uh, from Frank Kelly in Situate, Massachusetts, and great job pronouncing Situate. Not an easy one to say like that. Slum, Revere. Situate. Situate. Yes. Situate. Situate. Yes. Situate. Anyway, I thought I'd let season. you guys know that despite my emails about Reginald's buddy, Rod yes. Langway, my being picked out of the crowd... By ABC after Matt Ryan threw that game, losing uh, picture, losing it, losing it for BC, and of course my story about calling Bob Ryan on press row in LA, all being read on the pod. I may be the only little not to be on the Chuck and Roxy podcast. <laughs> in all honesty, someone did reach out to me after to be on it, but to paraphrase Elaine Bennis, I didn't feel I was podcast worthy. <laughs> Maybe next time I will be. Anything for a chance to walk in the footsteps of Edith Saliza. From Derek in Akron, no Chuck and Roxy number yet. Unlike Greg, I'm not particularly interesting. Not to mention I work in human resources, but I'm still holding out help to top the crack, to crack the top 20. That was so funny. It was Adam, 27. right, from Newfoundland? Yeah, I think it was, I'm 25. 27, so I'm in the top 20. No, you're, no, you're not. not. No, you're in the top 30. Uh, simply from Brad Weiss, number 59. That's all he writes. Debbie Mittman, <laughs> episode 67. Beltsville, Maryland. I, too, Mr. Tony, am a counter. So when I had a neck MRI yesterday, I was thinking of you as I counted to get to the end of the MRI, the number 672, quickest MRI I've ever had. An MRI is apparently being covered by some combination of Medicare, Blue Cross, Blue Shield, eat it, Cigna. But I have to eat it because I have Cigna and I'm not covered by these things. From Brian in Arlington, PhD and a professor of theology. Tony, the kids were listening to the pod with me. And so they asked me why I always eat my vegetables first. The explanation is good, but you, an only child, and Michael, one of two, will not understand. It may remind Nigel of his time in the orphanage. I have four siblings, so family dinners had seven eaters. My mom would buy packs of rolls that had eight 
eight rolls. The rule was that the first person to eat his or her vegetables could have the last roll. My older brother, who still doesn't eat vegetables, would lick one roll, put it back in the basket, and then take another. Our sisters would never eat food that had been licked. I, on the other hand, would immediately eat my vegetables and take my second roll. I no longer eat licked food, but I still eat the green stuff first. From Brandy in Brooklyn. I'm a couple episodes behind. I caught up yesterday on a long drive. Tony breathlessly talking about how a pool noodle works reminds me of when my five-year-old comes home with a new seemingly undiscovered nugget of information. Did you know that this pickle used to be a cucumber? (laughs) He'll then squint his eyes and say with some glee, you didn't know that, did you, mama? No, totally new news. P.S. I've been a longtime PTI fan, but only recently made my way to the podcast. It's like the missing piece of the puzzle. Tony and Michael's rants on PTI now make so much more sense to me. It's like I started with the second book in a trilogy, and I finally went back and read the first. P.P.S. I still don't know precisely who Chuck and Roxy are, but getting on their show is now a bucket list item. She'll be on next week. Of course she will. Yes. Um, From Matthew Johnson. If the role has not already been taken, I wanted to ask, could I be the official poet of the Tony Kornheiser show? Sure, I do not have a Pulitzer Prize, or I haven't been U.S. Poet Laureate, like Louise Gluck, at least not yet, but I've written and published poems about Walt Frazier, Julius Irving, and Speedies of Lupos. Ms. Gluck may have the awards, but given a more somber subject matter, in this case, I think I've had more fun writing poetry. These poems and many others are in my latest book, Far From New York State, in part inspired by the Westchester upbringing of both my parents and myself, as well as my year as a sports journalist in Oneana, upstate New York. If any littles are interested, I will be reading at Scoopernong Books, in Greensboro, North Carolina. Oh, it was just last... I'm sorry. It was yesterday. He read at 2 p.m. yesterday. For your own enjoyment, I've attached said poems to this email from Matthew Johnson in Greensboro, North Carolina, by way of New Rochelle, New York. Well, if Matthew, if you ever have another reading, let us know. Yes. And we'll get to it a little sooner. Uh, Cameron in Washington, D.C. The email you read on Wednesday's show about John Grisham. Remember that, that the woman wanted to make a dental appointment. Oh, right, yes. Booked it. <laughs> About John Grisham reminded me of a similar encounter. I grew up in Charlottesville, and it wasn't uncommon to run into a seemingly random collection of notable people who lived in town, such as Howie Long, Sissy Spacek, Lawrence Eagleburger, and, of course, John Grisham. One time in high school, my sister, who could politely be described as a disengaged student, had a paper due on Grisham's book, A Painted House, that she had yet to finish. The day before the due date, she was at the neighborhood gas station, the Ivy Store, buying a drink, and noticed John Grisham in front of her online. She mentioned to him that she was reading a painted house in her English class, which delighted him, and he asked how she liked the book. She replied, I haven't finished it yet. I actually have a paper due on it tomorrow. Would you mind telling me how it ends? He <laughs> smiled and he said, I think that's something you'll have to find out for yourself, and walked out of the store. Can't knock her for trying. Isn't that wonderful? And from Lisa DiCarlo, and this is stuff that Nigel mentioned to me the other day. Did you know... Mark Feinstein went to Boston University initially to be a movie director. Did you also know he directed a stage production of One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest in his senior year? Did you know he hates olives? You didn't. (laughs) Neither did I. But now I do. Do the Loyal's Little Podcast 210. Just ask Carol. She'll fill you all in. La cheeserie. If you're out on your bike tonight, everyone, as always, do wear wide. A.A. Ron, where are you? Where is A.A. Ron right now? No A.A. Ron, huh?